Here's Michael at the foul line. A shot on Elo. The Bulls win! They win! Where nothing is held back. Go crazy, folks! Go crazy! Where nothing is censored. He did what? Where nothing is off limits. She is gone! Where anything goes. This is Snowman Unfiltered. Holy Toledo! What a way to finish! And here's your host, Brian Snow. Okay, folks, this is episode seven of Snowman Unfiltered, and in the last three, I kind of have gone off the board to talk about different aspects of life, and I'll be mixing that in throughout the course of the uh, throughout the course of this podcast. But I had to bring an old friend back by the name of Cole Johnson, or as he says best, and I want to get this right. He is your man, that man, the man in charge of Cole Sports. Cole Johnson joins me, and we got some stuff to talk about as we get back into the sports realm for this episode of Snowman Unfiltered. How are you, brother? Man, I'm doing good and doing good. And, uh, yeah, uh, look at you. You almost can replace me on my own show. <laughs> but see, but then I wouldn't have your content to listen to on some of the long drives I have to make to some of the games I have to cover here in North Carolina. So uh, yeah. we need we we need each other, okay? No no question about that. No question about that. All right, let's get into it. And the most blunt question I have ever asked, well I asked I've asked many a question, but what the hell is wrong with Antonio Brown? See, I didn't want to give your latest podcast away in which you went in on AB not once but twice, and I love both episodes. But since this is Snowman Unfiltered and I haven't had a chance to weigh in, I'm going to let you have the floor first and have some fun with us. Oh, man. (laughs) I think I have the most fun with people being – this fool's biggest cheerleader. Uh, why are you all championing ignorance right before you? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it was so bad. I just, I just had, I, I, as you have seen, yep. I had to title one of those episodes or co-title one of the episodes, Antonio Clown. Yes. Because he just, because he, he, he has acted like a clown. Well, he's acted like a true clown the last two months. But I mean, we've we've seen signs of him acting like a clown the last few years, and before he left Pittsburgh. <laughs> oh yeah, many years before he left Pittsburgh, and, and people people just gravitate toward the last year he was there. I'm like, no, no, he 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 produced some clownish tendencies years before in 2018. Yep. You know, um, one example. Uh, 
you remember the 10 minute video that he filmed in the locker room after the Steelers beat the Chiefs in the divisional oh, round. Oh yeah, yep, I remember and, that. And, and you can hear Tom, uh, Tom uh, sorry, you can hear uh, Mike Tomlin in the background, the head coach of the Steelers, talking about how they're going to beat the Patriots because they were going to play them in the AFC Championship game that year. Mm-hmm. We're gonna be, they're going to beat the Patriots. The Patriots don't stand a chance and all that. And all you hear is, I'm the greatest. We're the greatest. <laughs> the greatest. That's the greatest. Ten oh. minutes of that crap, and you can hear Tomlin basically just giving the Patriots, if they even need anything, Bill all Moore the motivation in the world. Off the mat. And then, of course, what happens? Because I think they played that Sunday. Seven days later, they went to Foxborough. They got their clocks clean. And, and they got, they they got skunked. They got skunked. <laughs> they absolutely got what they deserved. They got skunked. Okay, yeah. and this is one thing that gets on my nerves, and I know you've seen the comparisons. Why are they comparing Antonio Clown to the greatest of all time and Mr. Jerry Rice? <laughs> In a minute, no, no, I wouldn't read for that one. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You can't, you can't be serious. <laughs> as serious as I am bald. They were... Look, they were taking some numbers of Antonio Brown and comparing them to number 80. And I'm going, why? All right, all right. All right. I, will give, I will give Brown this credit. I mean, the fact that he caught 100 balls six straight years, that's an achievement and a half. I right. Will, I will give him his credit. No Absolutely. No question about that. Right. However, you cannot compare this guy who is well. If he continues, he won't. He won't be in the hall. But this guy, you know, he's on his way to produce a good Hall of Fame career. You can't compare him to a guy who is, quite frankly, to me, the standard for wide receivers. I mean, he he is the measuring stick. I mean, and he has been the measuring stick ever since he got into the league. And, and course, that's fair to say. And for those and, and for those of you who follow me and know how much of a historian I am, 1985, he came out of Mississippi Valley State. And what's bad, the 49ers, A, were the defending champions, and B, they traded up to get Jerry Rice. Okay? Right. And you want to compare Antonio Brown to Jerry Rice? Hell, I'm a 49er fan for life, and I will say this sentence, and I know I'm going to get a laugh out of you when I say this. How dare you compare Antonio Brown to Jerry Rice when you can't even compare Antonio Brown to John Taylor? Yeah, no. I mean, it, it, <laughs> I mean because I those two have three of something Antonio Brown does yeah, not have. Rings! You were, about to hit, you were about to hit exactly where I was going to go. <laughs> I think anybody, I don't care if you're already a fan of AB or not, please produce the moment that Brown produced a ring for his team. And I'm not talking about divisional championship. I'm not talking about even a conference championship, which he has zero of those too. Exactly. I'm talking, I'm talking a Super Bowl ring. He's produced none, and you mentioned Taylor and, and Rice. Taylor has three. <laughs> Same with Rice. I mean, come on, it's an open check case. No, no, no. And, and, no. and, and oh, some oh, of these... Whoever said that to you, they, they need to be examined. And some of these millennial fans... Always want to make the comparison by numbers to Antonio from Antonio Brown 
to Jerry Rice. And as I said, okay, you want to yeah, make comparisons? Get your numbers to that too. You, you want to make some com- you want to make some comparison numbers? How about this? 127. All right. <laughs> number receiving number receiving touchdowns, and I know I'm way off with that number. How about this? 20 number of seasons Jerry Rice played in the league. Okay. How about this? Three number of Super Bowl wins. How about this? One number of Super Bowl MVPs, and of course I'm talking about Super Bowl 23 when he caught 11 for 215 yards. Okay. Want to make some comparison? Compare those. How about the fact that Jerry Rice holds almost every receiving record in the NFL? And we're talking about a guy who's been retired almost 20 years. Right. And he still holds those records. Nobody's breaking those. That should tell you how great that man was. (laughs) I mean, look, I, I I I will give people a slight benefit of the doubt if they were to say, well, okay, I could compare him to T.O., or I could compare him to Randy Boss. Okay, a yeah. slight one, but, but, you, but, you still, but you still have to say they both fall short. Very still, short. Yeah. Very, uh, very short. Heck, heck, another guy that I know you respect and I respect highly, uh, Larry Fitzgerald. Yes. I mean, we can have a, we can have a good discussion there. Mm-hmm. I mean, he may fall short, but you know something? A lot of the tenants that Rice was about Fitzgerald is about and I mean when he retires he will be he will be unquestionably the number two wide receiver of all time absolutely and, <laughs> you know and and if, if you throw me those names fair you throw me any any other wide receivers name including Antonio Clown the answer is no you don't even need to sh- you don't even open, need to open your mouth shut it <laughs> you, you're comparing the time of the dog crap. No, I'm sorry. You you, no. you want another name that people will throw at me to try to compare to Jerry Rice? You've heard me say on Snowman in the Morning, and you've also heard me say on this podcast that I don't believe I know Jerry Rice is the greatest receiver of all time. Okay? To the ones that preceded him, they say the same thing. You know another name they decide to throw at me? You better sit down for this one. Calvin Johnson. <laughs> it's, the same, it's the same thing as Antonio Clown. The only difference is Calvin Johnson actually has his head on straight. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> same type of career. Same type of career. I mean, I, no, no, <laughs> no. I just gave you three receivers that you could come close to try to compare. Yep. Jerry Rice to. No, 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 no. Uh. Uh-uh. You know, and you know something, I have a stat that Antonio Brown will never achieve because I don't think he'll see the field again. Jerry Rice was the first receiver to do this, 1,000 receptions. There have been 13 players since him. There have been 13 players since him. To reach that number, but who was the first to do it? Oh yeah, Jerry Rice. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the dude was legit. I mean, he was legit. I, I the, the fact that the, <laughs> the fact that, that that people have the audacity, the nerve, the temerity, the unmitigated gall. Yes. To have 
a conversation between Jerry Rice and Antonio Brown saying that they could be equal is extremely laughable. I remember. And I'm like burst the laughter again because of that thought. It's just absolutely ridiculous. I remember a game in 88 between the 49ers and the Chargers in San Diego. And, yes, I said San Diego, which is where they belong. Okay? The Chargers. So bad there. I want the Chargers to go back to San Diego so bad. But a game between the 49ers and the San Diego Chargers in 1988, Niners were at the four-yard line. You would think that they would be a little conservative, run the ball up the middle, get a few yards, try to get some room. No. What does Mr. Montana do? He fades seven yards deep in the end zone and launches a perfect rainbow to Jerry Rice streaking down the near sideline. And I'll never forget what Ken Stabler said during the CBS broadcast. He said, it's over, ring the meter. And that was at the 40-yard line in San Diego territory. Thank you. <laughs> never. Not one not one year. Forget one not even one game has Brown been a transcendent wide receiver figure like Jerry Rice was. I mean I mean you're talking about a guy and I think I might have my stats messed messed up. Something to the something to the effect of twenty receptions, like about five hundred thirty yards, six touchdowns. And I'm talking about his Super Bowl appearances. You know what? Freedom. You want the first? Here's the first. Not only was Jerry Rice the first to have a thousand receptions, he passed Jim Brown in 1994. But as was said during Super Bowl 29, the first man to have five touchdowns in Super Bowls. Yep. Five Super Bowl touchdowns. Who's gonna touch that? And over 500 receiving yards in the Super Bowl. Exactly. Super Bowl. We're not talking about playoffs. Nope. Now you're talking about regular season. Now you're talking about a stretch of regular season. Three Super Bowls. So that tells you the guy, when the lights were brightest, he turned it on. The, he turned it on the hottest. And 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 when we can, when we think of when we think of Rice, we think of excellence. When we think of Antonio Clown, We think of him looking like a super fly uh, knockoff. <laughs> putting on the sideline, saying, oh, I'm hurt. I'm hurt. I'm physically hurt. No. Okay. Okay, here we go. And I, I, I can piggyback off of that, and I can do that real easy. So Antonio Brown's talking about being hurt. The uh, Sam, uh, Jerry Rice played Super Bowl twenty nine since the second quarter on with a separated shoulder. He had a separated shoulder. He separated in second quarter, and a he still had three touchdown receptions. B he finished the game, and that first one he caught from Steve Young. Oh gosh! Was that a thing of beauty? It was. 
throw was beautiful. The rock was beautiful. And <laughs> I mean, it, it was, it was such to the point where when you saw it happen, I mean, it, whether you root for the 49ers, root for the uh, Chargers, or rooting for just a good game, you pretty much say game set and match right there. I'll tell you what like, happened this, during this that game. This game during that game, when I was at a friend's house, I was here in North Carolina. I was in Greensboro at the time. And we were all gathered together. I was busy making everybody's favorite Super Bowl snack food, wings. And I just put the wings into the oven. When I sat down and two plays later, Steve Young hit Jerry Rice. And I said, this game's over. I'm going to go check on the food. And everybody in the house knew it. As soon as Jerry Rice caught the ball, they didn't say touchdown. They said game over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they said game. They said they said game over. And my friend looked at me, and I looked at him, and he said, "Did that just happen?" Yep. Yeah. I mean, you could you could not have performed. You could not have. You could not have executed a play any better toward a defense that was <laughs> that was suited for you to execute that play the way they did. Yeah, it was it was it was a thing of beauty. It was a thing of beauty. As a uh, matter like, oh, as a matter of fact, I think Jerry Rice has the Super Bowl record of eight Super Bowls, eight touchdowns in the Super Bowl. Yeah, but I forgot that he he's been the four Super Bowl. So yeah, I mean. Uh, <laughs> And, and they want to compare Antonio Brown to the greatest yeah, that ever laced up cleats and played wide receiver, or in some and cases that, in George Seifert's offense, flanker? Really? And, and that's where I want to exactly. And, and that's where I want to go. Any of you who capes for Antonio Clown, produce me a more, or, or, or Brian, a moment like Jerry Rice did Heck, in any time of Brown's career, like like Jerry Rice did in three Super Bowls, three of the four Super Bowls, <laughs> and he was actually pretty good in the fourth. He just well, he just played on the team that had John Green coaching the team that coached them yep. a few years prior. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> otherwise, they, otherwise, otherwise, Rice probably would have won that Super Bowl, and we'd be talking about Rice having four rings instead of three. But the three he got in San Francisco were gorgeous. Yeah. So any so produce me a moment of Antonio Brown doing something similar. You can't, and this is why it irks guys like Brian and me. When 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 we hear these conversations, which are inane, by the way. Mm-hmm. When you hear this, it, it just makes your stomach turn. I'm like, I mean, one of my episodes. I actually did a six-minute timeline on the stupidity and the foolishness and the tomfoolery that Antonio Clown did. Now, I can't do that for Jerry Rice. You know why? Because he never was a clown. So how can you compare someone who is an owner (laughs) if you're going to make this like a circus type of uh, analogy? (laughs) You're basically a clown that is trying to run away from steers, not getting 
get hit by them. Right. Like, that's just how it is. <laughs> Speaking of conversations, the NBA season is drawing upon us. Yeah, I'm gonna ha- I'm gonna have a little fun here. Free agency was crazy. We know we we know that. We know what Kawhi Leonard did. We know what Kevin Durant did, and we know what <clears throat> the Houston Rockets did. More on that in a moment. I I just I'm I'm saving that one. I'm gonna give you the floor for that one. I'm saving that one, but why? Are people still doubting the Golden State Warriors? <laughs> well, uh, and I, I, you know, I have said this on your other your other uh, platform before. I said this to you in conversation outside of the air, off the air, and I've said this to many Warriors fans, and I'll keep saying this: when a team when a team achieves greatness and if you get a chance to win three rings in four years, you've achieved greatness. I don't yep. care who you are. Yep. When a team achieves greatness, you have a contingency who wants to see that bit of greatness not completely off its perch. Now, if you're now like me, I'm a Rockets fan. Now, if I, now if you're a fan of a team and they're going against that squad, that's understandable that you're rooting against it. Yes. Because you're not rooting against the fact they're great. You're rooting. You're just rooting for your team to to basically beat their opponent. Right. Which is which is fine. I could take that, but if you're going to throw hate and shade because well, this team seems to actually play like one, and they flow and they have fluidity about their game on offense and defense, right? And you just throw shade and hate. That's not it, you know. So, so when so when you see when you see this greatness happen, you start to see these other teams that want to elevate themselves to that perch, like and and people back them like the Lakers. Oh, like they, they tried, like they tried to do with the Celtics. Of course, they had to implode. You know, and, and you you see these paper champions rise up, and 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 you're a Bulls fan. You know, you know this to be true because that's what happened with the Bulls back in the nineties. Hell yeah! You know, you know, <laughs> oh, here come the Cavaliers. Nope. Here come the Knicks. Nope. nope. Here come the Pacers. Nope. nope. I'm sorry. Here come the Magic. Nope. nope. Here come the Pacers. Nope. And, 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 you, and, and people will just stop the face saying, oh, so this is going to be the next team to knock off the dynasty. And, 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 that, and, and, and there's, a lot of, there's a lot of poisonous energy when, when, when you see that. Because it's, it's about just seeing the, seeing the excellence get knocked off and not necessarily seeing possible excellence rise up and knock off the excellence of now the past, that's different. But it's, it's straight hate, it's straight shade, and, 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 and people are, are asleep on the Warriors because they, because they want to try to, to make something that, I won't say it's perfect, but they want to try to make something that is excellent and perfect and, and, and flawed. And quite frankly... I mean, yeah, I mean they're human. They're flawed in that realm, in that realm. But outside of that, how, why would you want to cheer against a guy in, in Curry who he plays the game the right way? Why would you want to cheer against a, a Clay Thompson? Uh, why would you want to cheer? 
I can get why people want to cheer against a Draymond Green. Right. But, but, but why would you want to cheer against good guys like them and, 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 a, and a wonderful guy like Steve Kerr who is universally loved throughout the NBA? Why, why would you want to hate on them? Hate on them. Root against them because your team's playing against them, yes. But just that root against them because, well, they have something that, that they don't deserve? No. You and I have no. a few fellow NBA fans in common, and while the Warriors were busy dispatching, a shorthanded Warriors team, mind you, were busy dispatching mm-hmm. the Portland Trailblazers in the Western Conference Finals, when that, that matchup came, when that matchup came about, I will never forget, and like I said, you and I have a few mutual NBA fans, and mm-hmm. this is where I love and miss doing, miss seeing Cole Sports on the daily. They say all the time, and I know you've heard it said, it's time for somebody else to win. Right. Okay, well, do what the Toronto Raptors Good. did. Beat the Warriors in a seven-game series. And the I Raptors, so, yeah. and the Raptors mm-hmm. were absolutely the better team. I'm not using injuries as right. an excuse, but doggone it, you got to <laughs> praise the Warriors for getting as far as they did, which is six games into the World Championship Series, playing as shorthanded as they did. They ran up yeah. against a buzzsaw, a superior team, an, a team that outcoached Steve Kerr. I can handle that with no problem. Right. I can right. handle that with no issue because no one expected Toronto to get there, and once they got there, they played one hell of a World Championship Series. I get I give kudos and thanks where it's due for the Warriors and the Raptors playing that kind of six game series. My only wish is that that last shot by Stephen Curry would have gone down and we would have had a seventh game on Father's Day. But I'll take a six game I'll take a six game war between those two. Now, to the teams that want to knock them off and seem to have on paper, one of which is your Houston Rockets, but I want to veer left a little bit and ask this question. Okay. Why are two pieces of damaged goods coming together in Los Angeles? And it, I ain't talking is, the Clippers either. Yeah, I about to say, I know you're not talking about the Clippers. Oh, no. No, no, no. It, it, it is because we seem to have this hope, this aspiration, this dream... This, this this Christmas gift that will be open in the summer of seeing number 23 hoist his fourth NBA World Championship. We want to see him hoist up the Larry O'Brien Trophy again, saying it's about D time again. That's what we want to see. But the real number 23. But the real... But the real number 23 hoisted six of them. And how many, uh, how many finals trips? Six. Mm-hmm. The real number 23 hoisted six of them. Yeah. And now you bring Anthony Davis, and now they bring Anthony Davis into this mess? Well, It's well, a mess. Well, but we can we can make it we can make this a little baseballish. Six for six is much better than three for nine. 
what can you say? <laughs> or, or as I saw on the Mothership Station one year, the year was 1991, seven is greater than 939. And people who know baseball know those two numbers that happen on the same day. 939, Ricky Henderson breaking the all-time stolen base record. Seven, yep. Nolan Ryan's seventh no-hitter. Seventh no-hitter. Mm-hmm. And, did, and wasn't it great that that seventh no-hitter happened in Texas? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, it was. But they wanted... But but it's like you said, they want to see these paper champions. Now you want to talk about true yeah. contenders, the LA Clippers, I'll give that to them. The Portland Trailblazers, I'll give that to them. The Denver Nuggets, I'll give that to them. That team is being slept on. That is that is a dark horse. You want another dark horse? How about a certain team in Texas called the San Antonio Spurs? San Antonio Spurs. Yeah, people are sleeping on them because I mean they're going to they continue took... to sleep on them. <laughs> Matter of fact, they my hope that, is they took that dog the seven games. So I mean, yep. and and they're not as good as they are this year. So that, there you go. <laughs> I, I I would love to see a rematch of a West Final from 2017 with the Spurs and the Warriors, just so I can laugh in everybody else's face. <laughs> with and with that with that, I turn to your Houston Rockets. Oh, brother. Daryl Morey. Oh no. I have I, I, I have a request of one Daryl Morey. And I'll pe- uh, people are gonna say the same thing about um, Bob Myers, the GM of the Warriors, but hey, Bob Myers has produced results. I will take him over <laughs> Morey any day, but I'm sorry, I digress. <laughs> Daryl Morey, would you please shut the hell up? <sighs> So, apparently, according to Maury, the Rockets were cheated out of the 2018 Western Conference Finals to the point where when they played the same team in the Western Conference Semifinals this year, they decided to go to Secaucus, New Jersey, and say, hey, these referees, at the game one of that series, hey, these referees cheated us out of game seven of last year's Western Conference Finals. Okay, and who won Game 7 last year, 2018? Who won Game 7? Remind me. Um, okay. Of course it was the Warriors, and they and they deserved to win it because mm-hmm. they were the better team. Mm-hmm. I mean, but, but my issue is, okay, that game was 11 months old. Why are you bringing that new, why are you bringing that old stuff to a new series where you can write, you can write that chip and knock them off the playoffs? And, and then the Warriors in that series become shorthanded, and you still don't whoop them. I mean, th- and that, what's bad? They become shorthanded, and the Rockets lose an elimination game against the Warriors in their own house. And on top of it, the Rockets supposedly had a better bench in Game Six. They got outscored thirty-four to seventeen on the bench. I mean, it's, just, it's, it's, it's ridiculous to me. Oh, yeah, let me go back to Maury. So he does it ridiculous. <laughs> then he says that uh, that that um, LeBron, I think he actually said LeBron James is the greatest of all time sometime in early 2019 because the analytics br- uh, bring it up. I will go to that word later. Uh, then in the offseason, he champions the fact that J- 
to some friends of mine who told this lie lies I had to do a double take I'm like no Maury you did not just say this ridiculousness Uh, again who told this lie look I'm, I'm, I'm taking defense away from this equation because just on the defensive floor Defensive bar of the floor. That argument's closed. Yeah. Harden um, for the first. <laughs> Harden for the first year averages thirty points a game. By the time, because I think Harden is thirty now, thirty yes. thirty one. By the time Jordan was thirty, he did it. If I'm not mistaken, seven or eight times. Yep. So, <laughs> I mean, coming averaging thirty. So you can't tell me that Harden. Who, who now finally can average 30 points a game on offense is better than, to me, the greatest the, the greatest player that I've ever seen of all time. It just doesn't work. And, and plus, not, not to and, mention, and plus, all, defensive, all defensive team 10 times. Oh, I'm, I'm defensive play, I, I'm, I'm leading you. I'm leading you to the water. Defensive player of the year, the year was 1988. Led the league in steals twice while being a scoring champion. Led the league, oh, excuse me, led guards in blocks three separate times. 89, 90, and 91. And we all know what happened in 1991. And let's break down this past year for Harden. So he averages <laughs> thirty-seven points, and he takes and, and takes and, and takes and makes an inordinate amount of threes. Jordan's best average was thirty-seven. Thirty-seven point one, nineteen eighty-seven. He only made twelve threes to do so, and still scored three thousand forty-one points. At the time, only the second player aside of Wilt Chamberlain to get 3,000 points in the year. So, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, If Jordan showed the ability to shoot from three and didn't have to do it, but he showed the ability to do it, but he still averaged 37 points, which offensive display is more impressive to you? The one who... Half of his points come from three-pointers and free-throw line uh, uh, opportunities. Not to mention travel oh, threes. Uh, don't get me started on the step-back travel. Oh, I'm, I'm, or, lead, I'm leading you there. I'm leading you right there. <laughs> or, or, the, or the guy that shows you that he can drive, he can penetrate the lane of dunk, 
could hit fadeaways. He didn't try to hit fadeaways as much then as he did later in his career. But he started doing it then. Um, other mid-range jumpers. <laughs> and, and just showed many different ways that he could score. I, I mean, I will take Jordan over Harden offensively. Defensively, it's that it's a joke. It's a joke. Harden, Harden will go to sleep on you. Harden is almost as bad as LeBron James on the defensive end. I mean, oh God, yes. He'll, he'll 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 let his defender he'll let his, the guy he's defending pass by him. And we've seen I mean, him do it often, often. Meanwhile, meanwhile, Jordan. Now we talk about the last shot. In, uh, in in Game 6, 1998 uh, Finals. We talk about that yep. ad nauseum. Yep. And that's a great moment. What led to that moment? Malone in the block has the ball. He, see, he, he sees <clears throat> Rod, Rodman to his left, does not see to his right. Next thing you know, Chop. here's this hand that swats down and chops on him. Did not hit any hand, all ball. And guess who it was? MJ. in red and black. <laughs> so to set up the to set up the last great shot and the last great moment in my my opinion of Michael Jordan's NBA career, he set it up on the other end by steal. So <laughs> and if, on, if you're gonna talk about greatest player, talk about it all the way around. Harden doesn't even come close. I'm saying as a Rockets fan, Harden doesn't even come close. And, and on top Get of that, with that crap. And, no. on, and on top of that. The trade, the ridiculous trade to end all ridiculous trades. No. Russell Westbrook. No. For Chris Paul. No. I said this to you three, yeah, three months ago. <laughs> My opinion has not changed one iota since. And I know it hasn't. <laughs> the only... The only positive about that trade was that you got somebody who is four years younger that plays the same position. That's the only positive that can come out of it. Not even the fact that 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 Westbrook and Harden have been boys since OKC days. That they have LA ties together. That they that they play at rec parks every summer, including when Harden became a Rocket. Uh, no, none of that is a positive to me. The only positive no. is that you traded a 34-year-old point guard for a 30-year-old point guard. That's the only positive. Outside of that, it's all negative simply because you've got one guy playing the same style as the number one player on the team. So unless Westbrook is going to switch up and become an Isaiah Thomas uh, figure where he tightens up his defense and... He and I'll still take Isaiah Thomas over Russell Westbrook. Oh, easily, oh, easily. That's not an insult. That's not an insult to Isaiah. No. I will definitely take Isaiah over him, without question, because he knew how to run the team, and he knew how to run a team, and still have others who could score twenty, twenty-five points, and it still doesn't affect his his game. Which is why I respect the bad boys. Yes, they kept taking out my bulls for three straight years, but you have to respect the team that takes your team out because of how they're built. Okay? Yeah. It's you as a Rockets mm-hmm. Rockets fan respecting the Golden State Warriors and how they right. organically how they, how they go about it. Yeah. 
how they organically built their team and how they run their team, which is why I feel Golden State's going to get a lot of shade this year, as you said, and they're going to be the kings of the Western Conference again. I really believe that. Now, the, that, now that 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 is where I, that's where we have to part a little bit. I just don't see them being the kings of the of the West. They're gonna have some competition. They're gonna have some competition. I know they are, and I'm looking I'm looking forward to now, it. We're gonna no, veer, we're gonna yeah. veer left just a little bit. We got some more sports talk coming in future episodes, folks. So stay tuned. There's a subject really quick that I want to touch with you that I haven't had a okay. chance to. Okay. All right. You and I shared thoughts off the air about what is supposedly the black experience. Yes, we have. Why am I veering this far left? Because when we shared those thoughts, we wound up laughing our asses off for an hour because of how these pro-wax think. Now, I've had so many people, you're going to love this one, I've had so many people since I've left Indiana say, yo, you could, you can't talk about that. Oh, no. Negroes, please. (laughs) 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 Because, and this all, this all stems from Jay-Z's deal with the NFL in which he secured his bag and I'm happy he did. And it also stems from something I've watched with one Roland Martin and how details, how he detailed his black experience from college and everything. I just recently got married. Okay. My wife is white. I am not. You already know. Oh, you got a white wife? We can't talk no more. No, no. Interview over. Sorry, you sorry, are, I had to address that ignorance. You, you know I, what? My wife has, my wife and I have discussed this <laughs> at nauseum daily since we've been together, mm-hmm. and we would make, we'll make the same jokes. Oh, you can't talk about the black experience like that. Why not? And I've you had black, people. I've had, I, I've had people look at me with look of disdain doesn't even describe it. It's like, okay, this is the best way I can describe it, and I will use a baseball analogy. It's like a Cubs fan seeing other teams hold what they desperately wish for, which, of course, is the World Series trophy. Of course. Now... Every black person has, what's the word I'm looking for? A different black experience. As every black person should. Why do they continue? Why do, you know what? I'm going to hand you your podcast on a silver platter when you record next time in the form of this question. Why do these pro-wax continue to lean on past experiences to shape their future? The, the simple answer <laughs> is they don't think they have a future. And, 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 and 
and they have to they have to lean on something that is sort of like a, a, a boogeyman of sorts. You know, <laughs> like, like like we're black, or our skin is dark. We we get we get uh, castigated and, and and brushed aside and spat on and disrespected. Well. When a lot of it's over, we we don't need we don't need to do anything but just associate with one another with people who look like us. Why would you want to rob yourself of the opportunity of the whole diaspora of life? Now, before before any hotep comes into my direction, and you know they're coming. Oh, I know they're coming. Let you, them come. They're co they're coming in both of our directions. You know this, yeah. Especially yeah. with what I just revealed. Hmm. Let them come. Especially when I, I let them come. Let them come. Let those wax. Let those wax fools come. Look, but, but before you hold taps and 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 black panther sympathizers, sympathizers. Now and, and I black and up. black first. Don't forget that. That's the new yeah. one. That's the new one. I grew up. Yeah, I grew up under the household of a foreign Black Panther. So you can't come to me with that fakeness. I know what the real is. Before you come at me with this mess, <laughs> you got to understand, Black people are not a monolith. Let, 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 me, nope. let me say it again, because I think for some reason this just doesn't sink in. It really black doesn't. Black people, yeah, it doesn't. Black people can be so many different things can have so many different experiences can can achieve so many different things you know what that is it's the fact that we're part of being human beings thank you i mean i, I mean often... just because you're black does not mean that you have to shield yourself from how life is period when i was going to high school i told this story a dozen my... times on the show you've been a part of it Whenever someone asks me who my favorite announcer is, it's the voice that begins this show, Jim Durham. Yep. Mm -hmm. Voice of the Bulls for 18 years. Do you know how many sideways looks I still get to this day from black people saying, why don't you have a black favorite announcer? Because I don't see color. I right. see skill. I hear skill. I see personality. I hear personality. That's why I love Jim Durham and Johnny Kerr. And, and the thing is, all right, and this is a wonderful, this is a wonderful, uh, wonderful bit of this topic. Why is it that we're, 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 we so champion meritocracy? I mean, in sports, basically sports is the greatest meritocracy, which in, in many ways it is. Why is it that we champion this as black people? Not not you, not me, and not many black people we know, but black people as a whole in general. Yep. Why is it we champion that yet when we say the same thing about meritocracy and voices? That it, it can't it can't that that your favorite announcer can't be Dickenberg. It can't be Pat Summerall. <laughs> it can't be Al Michaels. <laughs> it, it can't be enough. It can't be Vince Scully. It, 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 it can't be Jack it can't Buck. Be it, it can't be, be Jack Buck. It can't be Brent Musburger. It, How about that? It can't be. It can't be Milo Hamilton. It, it, it most certainly can't be any of these announcers. I got one for you. It can't be Gene. Pe I, I got one for you. It can't be Gene Peterson. 
<laughs> right. Just because they're white. I mean, no. No. I never I don't subscribed. I like because they're white. I like them because they were good. I never and, and, subscribed and, 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 to that monolith, and I never will. The, and I won't either. The first if voice. If those announcers were black and they had that same voice, the same style, I'd be all on them, too. Same here. That's why I love Greg Gumbel. Not because right. he's black, but because he gets the job done. Wonderfully, I may add. Yeah. One of my dearest friends who I've um, had on Mike to Mike with me, Paul Olden, current PA voice of the New York Yankees, the mm-hmm. the voice of the Super, the public address voice of the Super Bowl for many years, covered the Dodgers for many years, and blessed the Tampa Bay Rays with their first pitch on March thirty first, nineteen ninety eight. Okay, y'all want to go there? I'll go there. How about a current ESPN voice that I love hearing? Bob Wachusen, the current radio voice of the New York Jets. See, folks, what we're breaking down to you here is the fact that we do not and will not subscribe to a black monolith because we actually have some gumption and some nerve to think about a personality and to think about a skill set on air, off air, whatever walk of life that you're in. That's what I follow. And that's what all of us should follow. Look, I mean... You best believe there's going to be a part two to this conversation. I want to thank Cole Johnson for joining me and all my guests that I've had so far as episode seven draws to a close. Episode eight will come your way next Friday. I'm kind of tinkering around with the days I'm going to post this, but I am going to post it. I'm going to post clips of it every single day on all of our platforms from iHeartRadio to Google Podcasts to Apple Podcasts and everywhere. So if you want to catch Snowman Unfiltered, go to snowmanunfiltered.com and subscribe through your favorite app. Until next week, have a great day. God bless. Remember to make your next move your best move. And always remember, if your dreams don't scare you, then they are not big enough. Dream big, do bigger. I'm out of here. See you all next week. Snowman out.